welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostfully, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing, especially for get paid for your pad listeners. Get two free months of their premium version. For more details, visit hostfully.com slash pad. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. I am in Taipei, Taiwan, and today I'm talking to an Airbnb host here in Taipei. And I actually got to talking to him when I was looking for a place to stay he has a a pretty cool bachelor pad uh, right in the area that i that i like and so i sent him a message unfortunately his pad wasn't available but he told me that he's been listening to the podcast and that's how we started chatting we met up in taipei actually we had drinks and we had some sushi together and uh one of the funniest things that he told me is that he listens to my podcast before he goes to sleep because it helps him to get to sleep. So I, was, I felt that was pretty funny. So welcome to the show, Roger Lee. Jasper, all my pleasure to be here. What's up? It's going well, man. I'm, I'm glad the rain has stopped here in Taipei. I'm actually, I actually saw some sun today. So that's, a, that's pretty good. It's a nice day out, actually. It's a really nice day out. Yesterday is like world was ending. <laughs> yeah. it's. it's <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I've never seen so much water come out of the sky as in the last like seven days and i think there's been some floodings actually in in taiwan haven't there yeah like uh i've seen some cars be like covered past the hood in water so at least in videos online i've seen it not in person in taipei city taipei proper the irrigation is excellent we had probably no flooding but outside of taipei smaller cities they're really dealing with some some waist deep kind of kind of problems yeah it's it's pretty insane how hard it can rain here um the first thing i wanted to ask you roger because i thought it was really funny so my podcast makes you fall asleep yep i can't tell you how difficult i of a problem i have with sleeping but uh your podcast is the best solution i've ever found (laughs) <laughs> can you elaborate on that no no i'm just kidding is it no, my, is it my boring voice no actually um i kind of think of it as a range of how engaging something is or how boring it is and if something is too engaging for my mind i'll like focus on it and i'll think and i'll have a lot of thoughts about it you know like i'm studying and so i won't be able to go to sleep and then at the other spectrum, if it's too boring, then I just start thinking about other stuff that I'm worried about. And, you know, those are things that the same problem, right? Kind of on the other end. And with your podcast, you have me kind of really in a sweet spot where it engages mine and mine a bit, but it's still like work. So I'd still 
something that I can kind of tune out and then eventually fall asleep to. So it's actually just the perfect thing. <laughs> That's funny because I, I do the same thing. I listen to audiobooks and I sometimes also listen to other podcasts when I go to sleep. And my rationale is kind of that, you know, if I don't fall asleep, then at least I'm, I'm doing something useful. I'm, I'm learning something. I'm listening to interesting information. So, you know, we all have these times sometimes when we, you know, you go to bed, but then it takes 30, 45 minutes before you're actually sleeping. So instead of just staring at the ceiling, at least I feel like I'm doing something useful. Yeah, something along those lines, pretty much. Awesome, man. Um, well, let's go very far back in time because you've been doing Airbnb for a very, very long time. Um, the topic of this podcast is you know how to run a business using Airbnb. You turned a bunch of apartments into one giant Airbnb business here in Taipei. And that's basically your your main business. You're living of it. Um, it's similar to what I have done for a very long time, although I only have one apartment and, and you have several. So uh, we're going to be talking about how did you set it up? How did you build it? What kind of properties did you buy? And what turned out working the best for you? So I'm really well, excited I to get into it. Sorry, did you want to say something? I would not like to frame it like that. I would just like to say I'm a normal guy and it's totally not a business. And I'm just I'm just doing this to pass the time. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, let's go back to 2010. That's when you started, right? Yeah, the very end of 2010. So tell us about how you got started. So uh, I was actually just helping someone out, going over kind of like what Taipei is. I just moved here because I thought it was the best place in the world to live. And um, I thought it was also a great place to do like kind of small business and small projects and um i was helping someone out working on their project and what they're doing is kind of if i step back a little taipei was kind of just like really starting to develop in the 1950s and ever since then like the residential places that have been being built they're all like three four five bedrooms so that families could live together and as Taipei started developing and started getting students and immigrants and people from other cities that want to work here as a profession, uh, there started to be a need for studios, you know, people to just be able to live by themselves, like studios and one bedrooms. And back then, you know, like 30, 40 years ago, there are just none. There's just not being made because there's no demand for them. So there's like a interesting business model that kind of happened where when there started being this need for them people would gut like a three four bedroom place and then chop it up into a bunch of studios so when they used to get like five hundred dollars us for rent for example you would get like 300 times four per studio so it was like a really good investment and people would make their money back in a few years and this person I was helping out, it was like her first project and she didn't really know what she was doing. So I was kind of figuring out the whole way along too. And I really did my best. It was a fifth floor walk up. I'd like carry all these cement bags up and like these cinder blocks up, you know, that was like some of the more strenuous as far as physical labor things I did, but I also did like painting and stuff like that. But eventually I got these um, studios 
up and running. And I also did the like running out part for them as well. And back then I'd never heard of Airbnb and it pretty much, you know, how we know it today, it did not exist. And so I just go on like Craigslist and a bunch of local sites and just try to rent it out, whether it's like by the day or by the month or by the year. And just because I think probably I'm an English speaker, I ended up getting a lot of short-term tenants, whether like more like, you know, weeks at a time or months at a time, whether they're here to like visit friends or vacation. But because those particular students were in uh, right outside of the university here, I got a lot of students here as well who were like maybe learning Chinese or studying for a semester or two here. So that was kind of my original foray into property management and how I got started. So I got like, you know, I pretty much did a lot of the bulk of this work to get these studios up and running. I learned a lot on the way. And I kind of just thought, you know, that is easy and the numbers work. So why don't I just look at more units and see like, you know, it doesn't take that much time. It just takes a lot of time up front. And then whatever I end up doing, I can always just have these as income, like be a landlord, basically. So that's kind of how I got I got started with all this. And then you decided to expand. Did you rent more units or did you buy more units? Uh, I rented all my units. Okay. And so I got lucky on some of them because some of them were like owned by landlords who just didn't care about them. And so me coming in as a, you know, in their eyes, I'm an investor. So I would like, they like wouldn't even want to pay for air conditioners for places like in Taipei on a subtropical island. Right. And so they weren't getting anyone interested. So me coming in, I'd like, you know, renovate the whole place for them. And it ended up being a really good relationship. And so whatever I wanted to write in the contract, I had a lot of negotiating power. And so back then, you know, Airbnb was no one ever heard of it. So good reputation or bad reputation, it didn't exist. So all my properties say I can rent it out short term. Right. And this is an interesting topic because I know there's a lot of people who are renting places and then they want to put them in Airbnb, but often it's against the regulations it's against the building regulations or there's a clause in the contract so i think uh i think a lot of people are looking for looking for those landlords that uh, that allow them to rent out an airbnb so could you provide any advice or any guidance for people who are looking to set up a similar structure as you have like how do you convince the landlords that it's okay to do airbnb in short term well i think one part of the magic is that I kind of got in the game before it was high profile. So I think nowadays it's it's a lot more and more difficult because especially in Taipei, like a little bit of bad reputation, like it scares people off really easily, especially, you know, landlords are normally older people that just maybe they have their own business already or they're like retired and they just don't want any trouble. So like a whiff of trouble, people are gone. So I think that's like a really big 
part of whether it's luck or whether it comes down to convincing that you have to kind of make sure that these people, if they fit this kind of profile, that they don't think it's going to be any trouble at all. So I think that's one major thing. And another major thing is like I came into these properties and they're all like pretty, you know, as far as it goes, it just needs a lot of investment. It needs they're like run down. So you want to be like, say like, I'll invest like a bunch of money into this place. Then I think that gives you a lot of negotiating power. And if you say like, what I'm going to do is rent it out. Like that's why the money is going in. Then that's something that'll convince the landlord a lot more sharply. And another thing is that they have to be kind of clear about what is going to, what's going to happen with the neighbors because there's, there's like all kinds of relationships between the landlord and the neighbors, right? So some landlords like just don't care about the neighbors and that might help for kind of the signature, but then afterwards, like the neighbors will cause you problems. They'll be like, you know, they don't like your landlord. He didn't do these things in the past and then kind of demand them on you. So you can kind of consider that. But there's also the other spectrum where the neighbors are kind of like controlling the situation or like the landlord is super respectful of the neighbors. And then if that's the case, like, it can be like they can actually help you and say like, oh, you know, they're going to try this. We're going to help out this this kid. You know, he's just a young guy trying to make it. It's a new market or whatever. And we're going to see how it goes. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, I'll have him leave, you know, through these kind of contracts in the clause. So these are all different kind of different ways to think about how to work with your landlord. I think one of the good points that you're making is you know, when you look for a landlord, when you're trying to negotiate with the landlord and convince to allow you to do Airbnb, you always have to think about what's the upside for the landlord, right? I mean, if a landlord, if you're just going to be paying the same that somebody else would be paying, then there's there might be more liability for the landlord because of regulations or because of safety concerns and neighbors. So you got to provide some sort of upside to the landlord. So I think uh, looking for places that are run down and then offering to put some money into it, if the landlord allows you to rent out an Airbnb is, is a pretty good strategy. I mean, I imagine. Yeah, I would say like, especially in those cases, the landlord might even be kind of down to a really small pool of people who can rent the place period and then like if you're willing to work with them even though you have kind of your own terms then i think you're moving up pretty high on their list of people that they would want to rent to you've heard me talk about hostfully a lot over the past few months I love sending my beautiful Hostly guidebook to my guests, as it makes me look very professional. I also love including screenshots of my guidebook in my actual Airbnb listing. This helps me stand out from the crowd. Well, now I'm thrilled to announce that I'm a sponsor of the Hostly host program. Twice a month, Hostly selects a host and features them on their top-ranked blog. This is great promotion for your listing and a cool way to share your favorite local spots to a large audience. What's even cooler is that each Hostly host 
gets his free set of organic sheets from the clean bedroom. And now that I'm a sponsor, you'll also be featured in my newsletter, my social media feeds, and you'll get free access to my video course on how to be a great host. For more details and how to apply, visit hostly.com slash hostlyhost. So how many properties do you have now? I have nine, including the place I live. Awesome. I love your place, by the way. I wish you could have stayed there. <laughs> I think you have to like submit a resume and interview with me before I let you stay here. It's <laughs> a pretty difficult process. Hey, man. Come on. I'm helping you sleep. Submit your bank statements, maybe social security number. <laughs> no, but I haven't rented out my place in, I think I told you, like a year and a half or something. And that was only for New Year's when I was like, actually, what I did was I have a bunch of Hyatt points. So I just use my Hyatt points to, to uh, rent a hotel room at the Hyatt. And I just um, stayed there and rented out my own place just for a buck. So. Right. New Year's is a pretty good time to rent out, huh? I bet you're getting really good rates. Yeah. Taipei is an awesome place to come during, I mean, any time of year, really. Really, it's a pretty awesome all-time year. I'd say August. Don't come in August, but otherwise, awesome place to come. New Year's, you get that. You get fireworks coming out 101. That's like unbelievable. That's so cool. So I know. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's that would be amazing. I'm, I'm looking at the the one-on-one tower right now from a window actually and for those who haven't been to taipei the one-on-one tower is i don't know exactly what the ranking is now but it used to be the tallest structure or tallest residential building or tallest office building in the world one of one of those but it no longer all is three. it used to be all free huh but it's it's yeah. since then it's got it's got taken over by the building in uh, dubai right right that was the first one and then i believe there's one in shanghai now Okay, interesting. But it, it's still an amazing structure. I've been up there a couple of times. Obviously, the view is really cool. But also what I find really interesting about the tower is the, the mechanism that they installed to make sure that the building doesn't collapse or get damaged during earthquakes. Because there's quite a few earthquakes down here, isn't it? Yep. Sometimes you get woken up in the middle of the night, but I think it's kind of pretty cool rather than anything to be worried about. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to tell you... Uh, I experienced my third earthquake last year here in Taipei, and it was by far the strongest that I've ever experienced. And that got me quite scared, to be honest. I uh, I really didn't know what to do. Because what do you do when there's an earthquake? I basically just sat on my bed and prayed that it would be over. <laughs> uh, I like to play with my phone. I like to make a Facebook post to see who has the coolest Facebook post about the earthquake within 10 minutes. Or I like to maybe see, like, uh, message my friend and make an earthquake joke. But other than that, there's really nothing to worry about, in my opinion. <laughs> well, you've clearly gone through more earthquakes than I have in my life. <laughs> well, I have to say, you know, you've been around Taipei a lot. I think, like, a lot of people have kind of a weird notion of earthquakes, as far as I understand. But if you just go around Taipei... Like, how many buildings do you see are destroyed by air earthquakes? I don't think I've seen any. Well, then what's there to worry about? That's a good point. Yeah, still, I mean... I still like, get scared, though. There's like, you know, most of the places have been built within 70 years or whatever. So within 70 years, how many earth, how many buildings are destroyed by earthquakes? And there's... <laughs> I mean, how many earthquakes are there here per, per year? 
lot. A lot, um, right? It's almost like, like uh, it's almost like a little storm or something. Yeah, I would say like a a decent one once every few months is not uncommon at all. Right. Anyway, let's uh, let's move back to uh, the topic of Airbnb. I wanted to ask you. Yeah, you've been doing this for for about seven years or so. What what are the biggest challenges that you've seen, and also what are the biggest learning lessons? Hmm. Something I was really annoyed about was smart pricing. That was really tough. I think um, right when it came out, I think a lot of my instinct, as well as a lot of other people's instincts, were you know this is the lowest you'll accept, and then this is like the highest that it should be. And then up being like only price at the lowest. And I was kind of thinking like, that's not what we agreed to. But I feel like just as far as what happens in the market, like it kind of, everyone kind of did that. And uh, it kind of just messed up the market. And especially at the same time, China announced that they weren't sending any more tourists. Like they're like, um, significantly reducing the tourists. I forget how, what number it is, but it's a really significant number. So both of them happened at the same time. And I think that just like kind of screwed up the market at the time. And I thought that's really unfortunate. Another thing that I think is, I want to say is a challenge, but it's more of a learning experience, which is that, you know, you have to deal with all these different kinds of people. And I think, um, when it comes to just life, that's just how it is. You have to deal with jerks no matter if you have the best job in the world or not. There's just like no such thing as a job where you don't have to deal with jerks. It's kind of why people pay for things is so that, you know, you can be a jerk to someone. Maybe <laughs> some people think this, maybe including <laughs> me, but um, kind of like how Airbnb works is like, you know, if someone, sometimes I feel like, you know, someone's being a jerk and like making a big fuss about nothing or something like that. Like, and then they contact Airbnb. Um, they might, Airbnb might just be like, you know, just, we'll just take this back to zero. Like, like you guys never met. And, you know, it could be unfair. Or it could be not fair. You know, it's fair is kind of a wide range. And so in that sense, I think that's kind of like, it can be a, pretty poor way to start or end my day <laughs> is a fair way to put it. But other than that, I mean, it's completely transformed the market. It's probably the best thing to happen to travel. I mean, in my lifetime, maybe more than just my lifetime. Well, not better than airplanes, but in my lifetime. And then um, it's just kind of a pretty incredible thing overall. So that's why I have to say. And what's the learning lesson from the sort of the more negative experiences that you had with your with your guests? It's the learning experience that this is just part of the business, so you just got to deal with it. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, there's a there's a small gamut. I would say always trying to take the high road. I know it's tiring. I know it's very often unfair, but I think it's probably just still the safest way. And then. Aside from that, I think you also kind of want to know, like, Airbnb is trying to cultivate this culture that everyone should be, I don't know, maybe like nice to each other and that it's a community. And I totally agree with that. I think that's the best possible outcome. It's kind of like 
when we first had eBay when I was growing up, the reviews were kind of like the first step to making eBay possible. This is like the next step to making like a real world community where people are actually meeting each other instead of, you know, for example, like Reddit, people up and down each, each person's post based on if they think it's good or not, which is like a kind of a similar thing. But these, in our case, people are actually meeting each other in person and we're actually creating this kind of community, which is not just ambitious, but really could be, you know, a pretty amazing thing as it evolves the next 10, 20 years. I have to say, I've met some pretty awesome people that have been my guests, and that's really probably the best part about doing this. And some people that I'm like really tight friends with. Awesome, man. Well, I'm, uh, I think it's quite impressive what you've done. You're very modest about it, which is, uh, which is a good thing. But, uh, I think it's awesome what you've done and uh, wish you all the best in the future with uh, with your Airbnb business and hopefully I get to stay that uh, at that nice little pad that you have uh, in the future sometime. But uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the show and uh, you know it will be funny uh, next week you can you can listen to yourself when you go to sleep. Uh, I'll probably skip myself. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to be able to fall asleep if that's the case. I'll probably have nightmares. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a funny thing. Nobody likes to listen to themselves, right? I remember the first episode that I published. I listened to it, and then I was like, "Oh my god, I I don't know how many hate comments I'm gonna get on this." But uh, but you know what? I never really got any, so it's all good. Uh, anyway, thanks, Roger. Thanks for your time, and to all listeners, thanks for listening. And on Friday, we'll be back with this week's news episode. So I'll see you then. It's been awesome, Jasper. Much love to you and all your fan base. Awesome, dude. Take care. Bye-bye. Laters. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get 